It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this Halloween Monday, we're coming off a spooky performance from the Vikings yesterday. But at the end of the day, they got another win. We're breaking it down coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk and it starts now. Welcome in today to Superior Sports Talk. I'm not Luke Inman. I'm Sam Ekstrom in for Luke today. You can find me on the Ron Johnson Show in the Minnesota Football Party and on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. And I'm joined by Reggie Wilson of Care 11 Sports. He is at Reggie Wilson TV on Twitter. On today's show, we've got a big one coming up. A lot of Vikings talk. We're giving out game balls for Vikings Cardinals yesterday. Where is the Vikings' new place in the NFC power rankings, just the NFL circle of respect. Do they have it now after a fifth straight win? And I'm going to give Reggie a hard time for how bad his Lakers are after losing to the Wolves over the weekend. But that's later, Reggie. That's, they we'll won put last that night. off until the end. Come on. Come on. Yeah, well, give, give the, the Wolves did not win last night. So we're going to focus on the W on Friday. Um, but before we talk Vikings, a reminder to check out our show on Amazon Fire or Roku. You can get... Um, not just Superior Sports Talk, but Ron Johnson, Minnesota Football Party, on those apps, download them, watch them. Big interview with Josh Metellus last week on the Ron Johnson Show and a bunch of other good stuff. Make sure to check that out. Today's episode brought to you by BetOnline.net as well. Um, the Vikings covered yesterday, uh, and they are 6-1, and one, Reggie. This is an improbable place for them to be in now with five one-possession wins. They, again, have to come from behind in the second half after losing a lead, and they end up beating the Cardinals 34-26. to Reggie, I want your first game ball. Who are you giving it to from yesterday's win for the Vikes? The first game ball has to go to Zadarius. Like, the dude was a monster. A monster yesterday. Three-sack performance. Hurts his knee, said he fell on it. Felt weird. It was a little bit of a scary moment yesterday because he was down on the field for quite a bit of time. Got up, walked off in his own strength, ended up coming back into the game. We saw that a couple times yesterday. Uh, Adam Thielen went out yesterday. It was like, oh, no, like it doesn't look good. Then he ends up coming out, making some nice catches and some big moments. And then uh, Dalvin Cook, still not really sure. He's not really sure what happened. Dalvin had this, like, gaping hole on his face yesterday when we were talking to him yeah. in the post game, <laughs> And it was just like, Dalvin, what happened to your face? He was like, I don't even know. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, well, fine. All right, whatever. He's like, <laughs> I got to watch pop the film. It, pop it gotta... a zit after the game, maybe. Maybe that's, that's it. That's what I'm saying. It was just like, and it was weird because it looked like it kept getting bigger as time went along. And so... It was interesting because yeah. Zadarius kind of limped over to us a little bit um, in that post-game press conference uh, at that TV screen in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how, you know, he just felt charged up. But 
it it was it was it was great to see him come back and really make that play at the end. How about two walk off sacks to end the game? One yeah. from Zadarius, his third of the game, and then the last one from Harrison Phillips to basically end it. And so I think the first game ball has to go to Zadarius for that performance yesterday. It is not easy. Kyler Murray looks like my dog when when she runs like that's they they run the same you just never know where they're gonna go they're like zigzagging all over the place and it's not easy to keep contain on him we saw them really struggle at times yesterday you know he's just a slippery dude and when he breaks contain he's dangerous but to get him down on the ground three times it could have been the fourth time because remember Zadarius got that sack yesterday but then they said that the play was dead because Arizona called a timeout but it was so loud it was so loud in the place that you couldn't even hear that the the play had got caught uh gotten called dead and so uh the the first game ball definitely goes to Zedarius yeah hard to disagree with you on that um I think from a defensive standpoint I would give a second game ball to Patrick Peterson starting with Saturday night when he gets together with Jordan Hicks, the other former Cardinals captain, and they mm-hmm. give a speech to the team and talk about setting the tone and hitting them in the mouth right away. And if you remember, Reggie, was it the first or second play from scrimmage? Peterson corrals a guy along the sideline, tackles mm-hmm. him hard in front of the Cardinals bench, gets a flag for it, and gets in a, a jawing match with somebody on the Cardinals sideline. So other than the flag, which isn't great, He did set the tone with the physicality, Mm -hmm. and from moment one of that game, he was chirping, uh, he was Mm -hmm. active. Whenever he was challenged, he was rising to the occasion, almost had a couple picks. He was really effective in shutting down any rushers that were on his side of the field. Just a great throwback Patrick Peterson game. And I kept thinking, well, where was this last year when they played the Cardinals? I don't remember any hard feelings. I don't, I just remember him being respectful and kind of being above it. And I got to thinking, you know what? The Jordan Hicks factor changed it because Hicks is another guy who was highly respected at one point in the Cardinals organization. He was a captain there and they Mm -hmm. didn't re-sign him either. So he Mm -hmm. and Peterson are now in this place. They both have this similar experience. They both played together in Arizona and then were not brought back. So I think they kind of fed off of each other. And it was pretty Mm -hmm. cool also then that Jordan Hicks got to come up with that huge tackle on fourth and four uh, on the second to last drive of the game to force the turnover on downs. Uh, I think Patrick Peterson gets a game ball for setting the tone and setting up that defense for a big splashy day where they made a lot of huge plays. Yeah, and you know what was interesting about that? Patrick Peterson, if he was a wrestler – he cut a heck of a promo yesterday in the locker room after the game. Oh, my goodness. I put a mashup together on Twitter uh, last night just of the different things that he had to say. You know, he's like, look, they tried to tell me I was old. I'm washed up. He's calling out whoever it was that that had the, the email that told him that the team would be better off if he's not on the team. I don't know what type Ooh. of weird motivational tactic they were doing with with Patrick Peterson. Uh, I think that's probably what it was with them printing out the email uh, criticism and putting it on his locker in his chair. 
I think that they were trying to, I don't know, some type of like motivation to him. Like, Hey, this is what people are saying, you know, let show them that it's wrong. And he totally didn't take it that way. He took it as some disrespect, especially from a fan base where he put in 10 years of really solid football for them. And he's like, man, that's how, that's how you guys are going to do me. Like after everything that I've done here in this organization, he just was super, super spicy. There was a time where the defense made a play and they all kind of, you know, gathered together in the end zone like they usually do after like a turnover. And he runs up and he's all in the screen. He's like, call me, call me, call me. You know, bleep, bleep. Like you could tell he was he was saying some very choice words, but, you know, the, the sound wasn't up <laughs> on the jumbotron. And so... <laughs> After the game, he's like, yeah, I'm still waiting on Steve Kime to call me. I'm like, oh, so you got beef with the Cardinals GM. Some okay. WWE stuff going on here. Yeah. And so it was it was very, very interesting. He uh, picked that Kyler Murray a little bit, a little dig on him and, and you know, his video game playing. Uh, there was a pick with Harrison Smith yesterday. And Harrison hadn't really had the ball in his hand for five seconds. And Patrick Peterson is dancing. He's doing doing the little uh, gyrations like Jamal Williams did a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just dancing. But, like, he was charged up. And what was interesting was during the week, I believe it was on Thursday, we tried to get something out of him about this game. He's like, oh, you know, maybe last year it was, you know, this or that, whatever, whatever, you know, but now it's two years, you know, I've been here for a couple years now, like just another game on the schedule. It's just another game on the schedule. He kept saying that. And then Sunday it's like, really, really P2? Was it just another game on the schedule? Because uh surely didn't feel like that. Like he was chirping from the very start, John at Cliff, yeah. John at D hop, John at everybody. And it was just like, all right, you clearly feel some kind of way. And after the game, he showed that he kept some receipts. Zadarius did the exact same thing when they played the Packers. Downplayed it, downplayed it, downplayed it. And then I think he did an interview with, I want to say, Ty Dunn, um, the writer, just before the game. And he ate, uh, laid out all of his grievances. And then he had mm. a huge game. Um, and it, it blows me away how guys always rise to the occasion when they play their former team. Xavier Woods did the same thing last year when the Vikings played the mm -hmm. Cowboys at a massive performance when he felt slighted. Whenever these guys walk in free agency, you always got to watch out when you play them. Offensive game balls coming up after we tell you about betonline.net, your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest, whether it's player developments, team matchups, news, or podcasts, and you can get MMA, boxing, and golf. You've got the niche sports. You've got the major sports. You've got everything. BetOnline.net. Early look at that Vikings commander's line. Vikings favored by three and a half in Washington. That game still just makes me nervous, Reggie. We can get into that. Um, yeah. Vikings by three and a half at BetOnline.net. Check it out on your laptop, your mobile device. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Reggie, we gave out a couple defensive game balls. Let's get into the offense. Because I think a lot of guys got to wear the hero hat in this game. You had five mm -hmm. different touchdown scorers. Kirk Cousins was uh, solid enough. Uh, some unsung heroes. K.J. Osborne, a big touchdown catch. Johnny Munt, his first ever. 
Who are you giving the offensive game ball to? My first offensive game ball has to go to Dalvin Cook, the chef. First game over 100 yards this season. I remember a couple weeks ago we talked to him, and he had a, a solid offensive performance. It was the last home game. He scored two touchdowns. And we talked to Dalvin about how he felt about his performance, and he was just like, man, I was all right. He's like, I, I, I didn't play all that great. And one of his teammates, one of the linemen, they were like, Dalvin, what do you mean? You had two touchdowns. He was like, yeah, but I only had 90-something yards, man. Like, that's not, that's not going to cut it. Finally gets over 100, 111, gets a touchdown as well. I, I think he is starting to find his groove, and I think Kevin O'Connell is starting to find a way to really get him involved. Like, we finally saw, like, a couple chunk running plays from Dalvin Cook. Like, this is the Dalvin Cook that we have grown accustomed to and that we are used to seeing. And I think, you know, Kevin O'Connell had to really kind of figure out some things as far as trying to get him the ball and also trying to run and make it creative where it's not predictable, you know, when it's when it's first and uh, 10 and, you know, you may take a, a, a loss on second down is a little predictable that, hey, we're about to run the football. Also, that Arizona Cardinals defense was just not great yesterday as far as the run game goes. And the line was just kind of like pushing those guys around. And so I'm sure he will give a lot of credit to his offensive line for the game ball that we're giving them. But at the end of the day, his legs churned for the 111 yards. And I think he deserves uh, the first game ball from us <laughs> for this offense. <laughs> yeah, and I thought his 30-yarder, um, the run where Garrett Bradbury ended up getting a taunting call, I thought that mm -hmm. was vintage Dalvin. And we haven't necessarily yeah. seen that a lot this year. I think he's been really conscious. And I said this on the postcast yesterday. I think he's been super conscious of getting tackled with that shoulder, how he wants to fall when he gets tackled. And I just think he's been in his head and it's reduced his ability to get those explosive runs. But if you look at the mm -hmm. way he finished that run, he blew over uh, Buda Baker, just stormed mm -hmm. into him. And I thought that was the type of, of violence that we're used to seeing from Dalvin with doling out punishment as he's running. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's a good game ball. I think I have to end up giving mine to Kirk because, yeah, you know, number one, he didn't have a hundred-yard receiver in this game. Jefferson came close, um, you know, Madison with a touchdown and and Munt and Osborne. There there wasn't one necessarily standout performance from anybody, with the exception of maybe Dalvin, who had who you gave yours to. Um, but I think Kirk is pushed over the top because of his seventeen-yard mm -hmm. touchdown run, and overall, yeah. Uh, a higher level of mobility in this game than we're used to seeing. And I loved his recap of the 17-yard touchdown after the game. He said, wow, I didn't realize how much people like it when I run. And we're all thinking, yeah, Kirk, because you, you're terrible at it. You never do it. Um, <laughs> and there's a reason why you don't. So he said, the offensive line told me it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen. And I kind of agree. It was um, he outran two linebackers to the corner and then with the athleticism on the dive for the end zone, that was a, that was a fun moment. And Kirk, it seemed like that propelled him, Reggie. Like, didn't it seem like mm -hmm. he was a little more wiggly throughout the game? Yeah. It sort of 
yep. jogged his memory like on how to move around the pocket. And I don't know if he made any spectacular plays for the rest of the game like that, but he gave himself a chance to extend some plays, which could suit him and the offense pretty well going forward this season. Hasn't done that much. You know, usually when the rush comes, he just kind of folds up. He's like, yeah, you guys go ahead and take me down. Make sure you kind of nestle me down, though. Don't don't slam me, okay? And it's interesting. <laughs> yesterday, he was like, look, I'm just going to, you know, move around the pocket. Like, he had a couple plays where he just was like, all right, I'm just going to take off and run. You got Kyler Murray on the other side. I can run, too, okay? I can scoot. What was interesting was on that 17-yard touchdown run, we're watching it up in the press box. And he's got this number 94 coming at him from kind of like in front of him to the side. Marcus Golden, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, coming from behind. And like, I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. Because Kirk was kind of holding that ball out. And I just saw a vision of Marcus Golden just like catching up to him and swatting the ball out from behind. Boom. And all yeah. of a sudden, I'm like, Kirk is running away from Marcus Golden. He's, he's, I was like, okay, he's got the first down. I was like, oh, shoot, is Kirk about to score? And then he dives. It's like, whoa. And it's, it's interesting because we talked about uh, on this show about how Kirk doesn't necessarily like to get off schedule. Like, that's not his thing. What Joe Burrow does is not what Kirk does or prefers to do. He likes to, you know, when his back foot hits the ground, and maybe he makes uh, one or two reads after that, but like he's not hanging in the pocket for any long period of time. He wants to get that ball out of there to the point where if that clock has, has ticked too long, he's dumping it off. Whether or not they need a, a you know third and long or whatever, he's going to take the profit because he's like, look, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so it, it was interesting to see him actually try to extend plays yesterday. And I think it's interesting. We're still waiting on a 300-yard performance from Kirk Cousins. Kyler Murray had one on the other side. But Kirk is just turning in these steady performances. He hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game this season. He's gotten close to going uh, at, to towards 300, but hasn't gone over 300 yards. Like, we haven't seen one of those just, like, monster performances from him. But – at the end of the day, it seems like every game, especially on this five-game winning streak, we are dissecting his performance and saying like, oh, well, he just made the plays when they needed to be made. And that's winning quarterback play. It's not necessarily the most flashy, but he is doing what needs to be done to help this team win football games. In that fourth quarter, when it seemed like momentum was shifting, when they had the two-point lead, had to punt, Dorsch, Greg Dorsch, muffs the punt. They get the ball back. Kirk leads them right down, ending in that. That was a lovely pass he threw to K.J. Osborne, drifting out of the end zone for the touchdown. And it was just like, well, he made the plays that needed to be made when they needed to be made. And it's just some something to be said about a quarterback who does that. Yeah, I'm going to make up a word here. So, you know, the Vikings play complementary football as well as I've mm -hmm. seen a Vikings team do this year. Mm -hmm. They're always – the special teams is picking up the offense. The defense is picking everybody up. Big fourth quarter turnovers and whatnot. So, last year was, was insultory football. 
They, it's like the offense would make a big play. Oh, the defense, we're going to insult you. We're just going to give up a game-winning touchdown drive. It was the, the exact opposite of complimentary football. And the 180 mm -hmm. that's been created, Kirk Cousins couldn't even explain it yesterday. Someone asked him, mm -hmm. like, how are you winning every close game? And he said, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Um, you know, Jordan Hicks got a similar question, and he said leadership. Leadership from mm -hmm. the top down. And I think that's fair wow. to say. There's, there's, just, there's more confidence uh, in this team. They're better coached on all facets of the game. And, hey, the Vikings are 6-1. and one. So impromptu here, Reggie, I have a what does it mean question for you. It's time to tell us, what does it mean? Vikings are 6-1. and one. They have the second best record now in the NFC after the Giants lose yesterday. What does this five-game winning streak mean for the Vikings in terms of national respect, in terms of where they stand in the NFL? I think it, it means that they are going to have a little bit more attention now. What's interesting, though, is yesterday, um, Zadarius Smith, when he was talking to us in the postgame, he literally said, he's like, look, we're 6-1, and one, but I feel like nobody is talking about us. That's all right. We'll continue to be the underdogs, and we'll continue to, you know, play well and, and do what we have to do until people start noticing. Honestly, people have been noticing. I follow a lot of national uh, people on Twitter, and – the Vikings are mentioned every week, whether it's Albert Breer, whether it's Tom Pelissero. That's not fair for Tom because he actually lives here, so he's a little bit more in <laughs> tune. But, you know, whether it's, you know, Peter King or uh, Pro Football Talk or, you know, any, any people, uh, Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live, like people are actually talking about the Vikings. Colin Cowherd. People are talking about the Vikings. It's just, you know, people are not beating the drum. I think because as a fan base, as a, a society, I don't know <laughs> how to explain it, but people are used to the Vikings, like, kind of letting people down. And it's interesting because I always try to – I always look at where I came from, which was Cincinnati, and I kind of make these parallels – because I was there at the tail end of Marvin Lewis. And that thing had really just gone rancid. Like, it just, it, it was sour. The Bengals were one of the oldest teams in the NFL. And it just wasn't going well. And then all of a sudden, Zach Taylor comes in. First couple years, awful. Awful. But they flipped the roster. You know, he's a rah-rah guy, just super captain positive guy all the time. And to the point where it was just like, dude, this team is doo-doo. Like, you keep trying to make us see that, you know, this team smells like roses, but, like, they just lost this game by 25. Like, this team is doo-doo. And he's just like, no, I think we're close, you know. I think we're really getting there. I think, I think you know, we're, we're when we start turning this thing around, you'll you'll know. You'll, you'll remember this moment. And we're like, ha, this dude is crazy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, the, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl and you're like, dang, like Zach was right. And it's something to be said about a culture shift. Maybe the thing just really got stale with Mike Zimmer and KLC's come in with his, you know, just over enthusiasm it seems sometimes. 
really confident about the team, really confident in his abilities. It's interesting because he's a guy that, and and this was a this was something subtle, but something that really kind of feels like it set the tone for just who he is. That first week, when the slime came, KLC was like, "Look, I'm gonna take the slime. It's on me. You guys keep performing. I'm gonna take the slime. I'm gonna take one for the team." And that just kind of seemed to set the the tone because every week, if you listen to his post game locker room when he's talking to the team after they win, one of the very first things that are out of his mouth is, hey, I got to be better. I know I have to be better as a play caller, as a head coach, but what you guys went out there and did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he goes first. He's like, look, I have to be better. A coach that takes accountability right off the bat before he even starts to you know, talk about what they have to do as a team to be better. He's talking about himself. And I think that is what has really set the tone for this team. They're like, look, we got a leader that holds everybody accountable, including himself. Because this team is just different. There's a youthful jubilance about this team. And I think, you know, to your point, Sam, there's just a leadership difference here. And that is what makes this team a little bit more dangerous because they're a team that actually enjoys each other, each other. Dalvin Cook said, hey, I enjoy coming to work every day. And that seems to be palpable around the team. And that's from this leadership, holding everyone accountable, including himself. And that's something different than they've seen the last eight years. And last thing for me on this, and then we'll get into our Gimme One segment, success is always on a curve. You do not have to be the 85 Bears or the 72 Dolphins to win a Super Bowl. The league is playing a little down this year across the board. There's a lot more parity. So success this year for the Vikings may not mean they are the best playoff team of all time. The Super Bowl Mm -hmm. winner this year is going to win a Super Bowl, and they will get credit for it despite probably having some more mediocre teams that they had to beat along the way. And that's legal. That's okay. And I think it might be time to admit that, hey, the Vikings are, in this current NFL landscape, they are one of the Mm -hmm. five best teams in the league. Even if it doesn't always look like it, they are playing better than almost everybody in football this year. And that means something. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got our Gimme One segment coming up next. Want to thank people for making Superior Sports Talk their first listen today. But for your second listen, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Time for Gimme One, Reggie. We're going to go back to Friday night. I know you're a Lakers guy, so I got to ask you, Wolves beat the Lakers Friday and uh, sent them to 0-5 at the time. Since then, the Wolves lost to San Antonio on Sunday uh, they are four and three currently, but I want your take. Number one, give me one word to describe Wolves Lakers on Friday. I don't know if this is a word, but meh. It's just so early this season. The Wolves are trying to figure it out. The Lakers, I don't know if they can figure it out, but I think the Lakers are not a very good basketball team, and the Wolves are doing 
to them what they should do, which is beat them. You know, they, they kind of hung around a little bit, you know, and, and tried to make a game of it. But at the end of the day, you have given the keys to the car to this Wolves team to be one of the better teams in the league. And what they need to do is beat inferior teams like the Lakers. And at this point, the Lakers are an inferior team. Now, what is the problem here is I don't know who's inferior and who's not with some of these opponents that they play because the Jazz have been good. The Spurs have been good. The Spurs let go of, of a, a top prospect guy who they really were high on in Josh Primo because of an unfortunate situation. But, like, they let him go, and he was kind of the future. And they are still just ke- – Keldon Johnson – and the dude that looks like Cisco and all those guys out there, like they're crushing things. And the it, you know the Wolves got down. I think they they got the the deficit down to like four at one point last night against the Spurs, and then it just ballooned again. Like this Spurs team is tough, man. And I think what's really kind of discouraging is this Wolves defense. So far, they just have not figured it out in their rotations, in their perimeter defense. You know, Rudy's going to, you know, be a stalwart in the inside, but I, I still think they're working through a few uh, through a few things, and it's a work in progress. Yeah, I think they're missing Malik Beasley more than they thought they would, especially mm-hmm. from the three-point line, because that was his game. It was high volume, yeah. high percentage three-point shooting, and Bryn Forbes hasn't quite replaced that, at least from what we've seen yet. All right, Reggie, Gophers beat Rutgers 31-0 on Saturday. Give me one reason to stay invested in this Gophers team now sitting at 5-3, and 2-3 three, and three in the Big Ten. Well, I mean, if you like, you know, bowl games, they're still alive for, you know, Music City Bowl, uh, Pinstripe Bowl, or, you know, oh, whatever boy. bowl you, you, you like to think, you know, I, I don't – with the with the losses that this team has endured, I don't know that you expect them to play in anything too meaningful moving forward. Um, but you know, if, if you're if you're a guy who enjoys you know Gophers football and Big Ten football, like they do have some success that could still be ahead of them. But you know, I think when you're thinking about like the ceiling of this team, they've lost uh, uh, too many games at this point. I think to to really do like something that that we really expect, you know, battle for the Big Ten, battle for a, a Rose Bowl or something like that. I think that's a little bit out of gra- out of the, the, the reach now. But, um, yeah, you, you know, they they still may, you know, get a nice little bowl game, you know, close to the, the new year and, you know, just ride it on out. We, you, you, can, you can count on Mo to continue his streak. He's the dog. But, you know, I, I think – they they beat Rutgers, which they were supposed to. I don't know that you were expecting a, a darn shutout, though. Goodness gracious! But you know that that gives you a little confidence that they could possibly possibly run the table the rest of the way. But you know those losses still sting. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to tune back in mentally and emotionally to the Gophers until the trophy games. Until I know there's a trophy with Nebraska. Don't t- I know it does? It's not a real trophy. That's a fake trophy. Um, <laughs> Iowa and Wisconsin, end of the year. Those games will matter regardless of record. And I'll tune mm-hmm. into those games. Nebraska and Northwestern don't interest me. Um, best case scenario, the Gophers go 9-3. and three. That's a nice record. But 
I mm-hmm. think in a season that had Big Ten championship game appearance expectations, yeah. you needed to do more. And and that ship probably yeah. has sailed. Last one, hockey question. Give me one take on the state of the wild after their weekend, two games, uh, a loss against Detroit and a shootout win against Chicago. You know what? So many have kind of pontificated, if you will, that the wild won't make the playoffs. I don't know that they're a team that's going to string together five, six, seven wins in a row, but I think that they're going to be highly entertaining until the very end. This team is scoring goals, man. Like that is fun to watch. I'm not a hockey guy by trade. I'm kind of learning the way of the land as I come up here. And I know Mm -hmm. Sam, you're a huge hockey guy. You do a great job with the play by play. And I I'm, I'm like enjoying seeing all these goals score. Cause like what I don't like is a a one nothing game. And I'm just like, what am I watching? And, you know, I still don't understand why hockey players fight and why the refs just allow them to pummel each other's faces in. I'm like, why is that a thing? He lost the tooth because you let him just punch him in the mouth. I don't understand that. But I think as I'm kind of like looking on at this team, man, like they are fun to watch this year. I know Flowers giving up many more goals than maybe we expect him to. And this might be an interesting year for him. But they won on that shootout last night, and you're just like, wow, like, man, this team is this team is scoring goals. Like, they're going to be fun. I'm not really sure what that means as far as, like, their playoff chances, but we're going to enjoy watching this team this year. But we're also probably going to be pulling our hair out at some of these games as well. Yeah, the early season defensive woes, giving up 20 goals in three games, that's probably going to be an outlier. When we look back, Mm -hmm. that was always going to get better. Marc-Andre Fleury is too good to allow that on a regular basis. And this is just a deep team. I mean, they've got four lines where they have dudes that can score. And Matt Boldy looks really Mm -hmm. good. So I think he's he's at least giving you some of what you lost with Kevin Fiala. And I think they're going to be fine. It's not that hard to make the playoffs in the NHL when you have that much talent. And uh, if you just sneak into the playoffs, anything can happen. So I'm I'm not panicking at all about this wild team. They're four four and one through the first nine games. That's Superior Sports Talk today. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota, and download the Amazon Fire and Roku apps to watch all of Locked On Sports Minnesota's shows on the big screen on your 80 inch TV. He's Reggie Wilson of Care 11 at Reggie Wilson TV. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Find me on the Ron Johnson Show and Minnesota Football Party at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Thanks for watching. Luke is back tomorrow. Until then, so long. Be blessed. Spread love today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.